Yeah, and, and each person has their own path. Right. That's another thing I've realized as I, I compare it to turtles and hares where it's like some people are turtles and some people are hares. Like Chappelle was a hare. Hannibal's a hare. Yeah. Bill Burr is a turtle. Patrice is a turtle. So yeah, I'm that's like, right. That's right. I'm okay with the turtle trajectory. I'm yeah. okay with slow and steady. And to know that I can see people on the different uh, levels of it, you yeah. know? Like, I've toured with Hannibal, and then I look at somebody like Leslie, she's 50, mm-hmm. and she's crushing it for yeah. the past, you know, five years, yeah. and it's like, oh, that's me in 10 years, I can do that, you know? Right. And if I stay the course, and I've been reaping the benefits of staying the course thus far. Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. If you're in the D.C. area this weekend, we got Joe Zimmerman headlining Big Hunt. Joe's a regular headliner with us. He's very funny, and he's got some of my favorite jokes. If you're someone who wants to learn more about comedy, try checking out Alingon Mitra's Instagram page. Each day this month, he is posting five-minute sets of comics that he likes and then breaking down the jokes in the comments. His handle is at Alingon Mitra. So check that out. I think it's a pretty cool use of Instagram. Our guest today is Joelle Nicole Johnson. Joelle is a New York-based comic. She's performed on Late Night with Seth Meyers, written for Broad City, and appeared on HBO's Crashing. In this episode, she talks about what it's like being a woman in comedy and battling stage fright and doubt before ultimately embracing the path that she is on. I'm a Jersey girl. I'm from Union, New Jersey. Okay. Yes. Same Did, high school as Artie Lang and Ray Liotta. Whoa, cool. Is that close to New York? Yeah, like 20 minutes. Okay, so you're, you're basically right outside the city to yeah. begin with. So you started stand-up in New York. I started stand-up in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how did, how did you get there? I moved out there after I graduated from college. My sister applied to film school. She got into NYU and USC. Fancy. And she decided to go to USC. And so I was like, I'll move out there too. What did you study? I went to Boston College and I studied communications. Communications, okay. Yes. So you went out there. Did you know, were you doing stand-up already? No, I wasn't. I didn't. I wasn't even thinking about stand-up. Yeah. So what yeah. did you do out in LA? I was like doing extra work and okay. getting work as a PA on productions and uh, just trying to find any way into the industry. I was trying to pursue acting. You like, wanted to be an actress at that yeah, point? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And how did you get into comedy? I found myself going to comedy shows like once a month and then twice a month and then every week and then I started going uh, twice a week and I joined this group that was doing improv and stand-up on Wednesdays. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so you were, you were doing both of those at, at the beginning. Do you still do improv? I, I would not disrespect <laughs> improvers to say I'm an improver. I can play, but I, I wouldn't say I'm an improver. Okay. I'm a stand-up. So how how long ago was that? How long have you been doing stand-up? Twelve years. Twelve years. Wow, yes. long time. Yes. And uh, and how long did you do it in L.A.? Three years in L.A. And then what made you go to New York? Uh, I asked everyone I met my first year of comedy what's their advice, and I met Chappelle my first year, and he said I got two pieces of advice. Number one, don't listen to anything anyone says, including me. <laughs> that's a, that's kind of, it's like uh, it's slightly unhelpful exactly and then number two he goes with that being said yeah, come on 
I think you should move back to New York. He's like, there's no comparison on the amount of stage time you're going to get. And he Did, was correct. Yeah, you felt that way? Yeah, it, completely. There's so no you, it ended up being better for you to develop in New York? Much better. Yeah, he was correct. About Be, and it, is it just because of the stage time? Solely. Yeah. I mean, I prefer the city as well. Right. I prefer um, changing of seasons and yeah. fake sunshine all the time is not my temperament. Is that so, right? Yeah. <laughs> what makes it fake? I, I just feel like it's it's not real to be it's happy too, sunshine all the time. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just something you know? that's just not right about it's it. something not right. And I feel like that's what many people are confused about their depression in L.A. They're like, I'm not depressed. And you're like, no, you are. <laughs> the sun's just out. <laughs> New Yorkers deal with our depression better. I see. That makes sense. So you had a, you know, you've had a nice, uh, nice run straight through all the comedy stuff. It seems like with your credits, you, you've had like a nice progression through, uh, getting the comics to watch and, uh, getting late night set, getting writing jobs, all that stuff. Yeah, I'll take it. I mean, it's, (laughs) you know, when it's like it happens, you're like, oh, wow, cool. That happened next yeah <laughs> like where's the next check coming from um how did you like um just this is like a little going out of order now but you you wrote for a broad city yes yes and how did you was that your first writing job yes i was in the punch-up room for broad city okay um, so that was my first like so what's that mean the punch-up room? room so they write all of the scripts for mm-hmm. the season mm-hmm. and then they get a bunch of comics together to do a a couple of days of punching up the script so they'll send all the scripts out to us and then we just figure out if they're jokes that uh-huh. we can add to it i thought it was also it was interesting uh you were on this tour with uh Lin- liz winstead yes. for the lady parts justice league so what what i don't know that much about that what is that tour about Okay, Lady Parts Justice is a collective of comedians started by Liz Winstead, who uh, founded The Daily Show. She's one of the co-creators of The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. And she's always been dedicated to politics and activism mm-hmm. within her art. Okay. So part of Lady Parts Justice, we go to clinics. It's it's a women's reproductive rights organization. Oh, uh, okay. So we're fighting for abortion rights. I see, I see. Specifically, uh, people trying to close down clinics with what's called trap laws, which are yeah. targeted regulations against providers and right. all that stuff. So what we'll do on these tours is go to red states and we'll go to the clinics and do uh, outreach for the clinics. And then we'll have a show for the clinic workers and have a talk back afterwards. With oh, I see. The workers and the abortion providers and things like that to see what they need in the area. Because some states only have like one clinic left. Yeah. How, how have you gone to lots of these? Uh, lots of states? Well, lots of these events. Oh, yeah. We did 16 cities uh, two years ago. And last year we did eight cities. Wow, cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, and I did all 16. I was the only person who did all 16. <laughs> have you gotten any, have, have anybody like had a problem with that? Oh yeah, we get protesters at the show. Yeah. We go to the clinics and escort the women in. So we'll get the protesters. And I will say to anyone listening to my voice, if you are a clinic escort, one way to be a, a helpful person is to engage the protesters because they really just want somebody to talk to. And once you engage them, they're not yelling at the girls. Yeah. So I would say. So you think what? So what did you do? What was your technique? Oh, just ask them questions. That's all. They just want yeah. to be heard, just like any yeah. person. And half of the things they're gonna say is gonna be some wild shit. Right. So it's actually quite entertaining <laughs> to talk to. <laughs> yeah, them. yeah. You know, yeah, like totally. there's this one guy in Mississippi. Uh, shout out to the Pink House in Mississippi. It's the last one left. Uh, and he just 
he was trying to uh, proselytize from the Bible. He was trying to read, but he he wasn't good at public speaking yet. It's not so easy I to was, read out loud. <laughs> he wasn't. I could tell it was like his first day, and so I was like, "Come on, buddy!" I could. Tell, I was like, just like heckling him. <laughs> It was it was so much fun, and then by the end of it, like he started projecting more. I was like, yeah. you, need, you need to be better at that. I probably shouldn't have coached him to be better, but I was heckling him. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe you maybe you just got inside enough to make him stop. And and that's the thing where, especially realize the younger the protester is, the more I can um, reach out to them just on a logic perspective. Yeah, I'll talk to them and be like, "Are you still a virgin?" Holler at me in four years <laughs> once you've had sex yeah. with at least two people and yeah, then tell yeah. me how you feel about abortion rights. Yeah, that's funny. I was just talking to a comedian here about she was saying she has trouble deciding how hard to go if there's like a male heckler uh-huh. who's maybe commenting on her appearance or saying something, yeah. you know, kind of sexist or whatever. And so she's pretty mean. Like she she does crowd work and, and she can be pretty harsh with it. Yeah. And she's good at it. People like it. She, she's very good. Um, but she was saying that she's unsure about how to go about doing it because she's worried that these dudes, like if, if she hurts their ego too much, that they're going to like stalk her, like try to find her uh, online or they're going to try uh, to find her after the show. Yeah. Do you, what do you think about that? Um, shout out to weak men <laughs> yeah. who come to comedy shows because, well, there's a couple of parts to that. First of all, I think most men wish they were comedians. Yeah. So there is a part of a problem that comes when a female's on stage, they a think they can do better and B, don't really have respect if you're coming from that mindset of thinking mm-hmm. you can do better, which mm-hmm. is what informs most hecklers, I think, is that they think they can do better than the person on stage. Yes. So that's first of all. But second of all, um, I've dealt with that before. I had a heckler in Harlem once. He wasn't paying attention to the show, but he was talking super loud. And I'm closing the show, so I had to do like 20, 30 minutes. And you know, the whole entire time he's talking, I'm trying to ignore him, trying to ignore him. But I was like, fine, now I'm going to make you the show. Mm-hmm. I only do that if someone forces me to. You yeah. know, my my crowd works usually lighthearted. Right. But he was forcing me, and then he tried to talk some shit. I'm like, dude, I'm meaner than you. I'm funnier than you. I'm a comic. So I got in him. He was with a girl. I was like, it looks like y'all going through a breakup. Mm. It looks like you probably don't have a good job. It looks like, like and I just kept yeah, yeah. saying, and I could tell I was hitting him. Of course. I could tell I was getting him, and he got so mad. He tried to rush me on the stage. The bouncer had to come and like put him in a chokehold and put him to sleep. And he was like, fuck you, bitch. Fuck you. Ugly bitch. Like oh was my going God. off. And the, the male comedians luckily rallied around me to protect me. I wasn't scared because I'm saying like, oh, are you mad because you can't hit her? Like I just I made it yeah, worse because yeah. I was like, really, are you going to sit here and try to rush a girl because you weren't listening to the show? And, right. and now, you know, so it's just it's just a weak male ego. Yeah. That's something we do have to worry about. Yeah. Black comedians in the South have to travel with guns. Still? For that reason, yeah, in rooms and rooms like that where you're not sure uh, what's going to happen. Do you have people? Do people make comments to you in the south? Uh, I've had people, yeah, I've had people because dudes will follow us to our cars, even if they're not a heckler. You know? they- and I've had weapons taken because I'll try to carry mace or like a knife or something. And sometimes if you get into a club, they take it away from you. And I'm like, but I have to go back to my yeah. car by myself, or I have to go back to the subway by myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really weird. So but- you had dudes come up to you in the parking lot. Yeah, I've had and what do they me. say? Um, or do? Just sometimes it'll be some creepy type of oh, I was at the show, I w- you know, I want to talk to you, but they don't realize this is scary, dude. It's yeah. dark. You're 
you could be a threat. You could yeah. possibly not be, yeah. but think about it. Do you think there are things that like clubs could do that will make it better for you? If a person is being an asshole in a show, escort them out. Sure. The comedy seller doesn't play that in New York City. Yeah, sure. You can't sure. talk. You can't talk. It's one thing if the host talks to you, but if you're talking to the no, you will get a tap on the shoulder and then the second tap's gonna be an escort out. And that's right. what the clubs really need to do. Because the problem is everybody's worried about selling tickets. And you yeah. just do, you're like the ticket matters, but no, if if everyone's gonna, if they're gonna disrupt the show. Yeah, it uh, yeah, it's a bad business decision. Yeah, because it's a really short sighted business decision to try to save t- two ticket sales or something. Yeah, over not to mention the tickets are already sold, and if you yeah. if you kick somebody out, they don't get a refund. So no, and also you don't want that person coming back. No, you don't want them, in, and they're just gonna they're just making everyone who's there have a worse time. So yeah, it's it's only like damaging your own show by allowing them to yeah. to stay in the in the room for and sure. L- and luckily, it doesn't happen to me a lot. I don't get a lot of hecklers. Yeah, I really don't. Um, so I don't have to worry about it as much. But they happen. What about in terms of people, um, taking in your comedy? Like, do you feel like? There are you have the dudes that are think they're funnier than you. Mm-hmm. Are there other issues with being a woman on stage that you think make it harder to to get laughs and have good sets that guys don't have to deal with? I honestly think well, first of all, everyone's just coming from the perspective of women aren't funny, so that's what we always have to come from that deficit. But I honestly think more of my problems off stage than having to deal with. Okay, yeah. Male comedians off stage. Male comedians? Yeah. And what do you have to deal with? What is the issue that you deal with with male comedians? Disrespect. Oh, j- oh, respect. Vibes changing, not feeling like if I come sit down and there's a bunch of men sitting there, the, the conversation changes mm. or just not feeling addressed or, or feeling, you know, respected yeah. in a space. You know, I didn't, I really didn't think very much about like that type of stuff just in my life ever and running shows and everything. <laughs> and, uh, I, there were just uh, like a long time ago, there was, there was a night where we had a lot of female comics on the show and they were all so happy and like, yeah. And chatty like with each other. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, you could really see like, Oh, this was, is what it would be like if it was half and half. Like if it right. was 50, 50 men to women, you know, they will be hanging out the same way as, right. as opposed to just being the like one or two yeah. in a group of guys. I mean, that's the thing. It's And it's called the de facto segregation. You go with the people you're comfortable with. Yeah. So if there is a bunch of women on the show, yeah, we're going to go over here and talk about woman right. shit. Right. Men talk about men shit. And then when I come in and it's just me, one woman and a bunch of men, that's going to change the dynamic. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And no yeah. matter how much I'm one of the boys, yeah. I'm still not a guy so yeah. i'm not gonna be able to come from the same perspective yeah. and i also notice with club owners with club bookers they treat me different because i'm a woman you know i don't how get so? the same you, you can never really put your finger on uh-huh. on how so uh-huh. you just know you, it's just a vibe you get yeah and i yeah. get the same thing where it's like oh you're doing this because i'm black or you're doing this because i'm a woman and it's a it's a sinking freaking paranoia that drives you insane like uh they're just like acting kind of weird or they're like not giving you like some like level of respect all (laughs) all those things yeah yeah if you're coming into the conversation you could just know that you'd be like if i was a dude you'd be addressing me different yeah you can just tell is there a way that you want to be addressed that you're not being addressed like 
Is there a way to, s- to uh, even describe what, what you mean? I think, well, to describe it, I, I don't think I have to worry about it as much now because I'm more confident. Uh-huh. But when I was less confident, it wasn't. It was right. more prevalent. Yeah, of course. You know, because then I was more in the backseat. You got to take everything. And taking it in and trying to be like, okay, don't burn this bridge. You need this person. You're trying to get money. But now that I'm more confident, I can shut shit down yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. Or, and I get a little more respect because, oh, I have TV credit. You're on now. TV. Yeah. It's, you're different. Now you you're on the TV. Yeah. The, the different treatment. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Before that. Like one TV, like two and a half TV credits. And <laughs> lots, lots of people have no TV credits. Very so. much so. Yeah. And you, and for a long time, you had no TV credits. For and then, the longest, and then, a decade. And then you got treated completely differently, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't know. Do you think that it's like getting better? Does it, you know, from the beginning of when you started doing stand up, like, I know that your situation is different, so you're getting treated differently, but do you think, like, it's actually moving forward, or do you think it's a, it's just the same stuff? Oh, no, I think it's moving forward. Okay. Because uh, there are times now where it'll be like, oh, two black girls on one show. Yeah. Or three women, and you're like, is this an accident? Did this, yeah, yeah. Did this happen on purpose? Yeah, you know? yeah. And that it really does make us so happy. Yeah, it's, you, know, you can I really see it. <laughs> you can see it in pe- in people's faces yeah. that they are happy and comfortable. Yeah, and I always get from the audience is what will happen, especially if I'm the only person on the lineup. Only This happens a lot. I'm the only woman, only person of color. Someone p- will come up and be like, oh, I was so happy a girl was on the show. Yeah. I was so happy. Mm-hmm. That always happens to me. Yeah. I'm so happy that I saw a woman's voice. We're, fi- we're over 50% of the population. Why wouldn't you put more women on a show? Sure. That's just math. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> there are half the audience wants to hear me. Well, do you think, though, that the it, given that it's kind of a hostile environment to yeah. women, that that's discouraging women from pursuing comedy? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a completely masculine energy. Yeah. Yeah. Comedy is masculine. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's like a, it's kind of like a reinforcing cycle. Of, yes. you know, mistreatment of then they're not around, then they're in small numbers. And, and then uh, they say, oh, there aren't enough of you. Right, exactly. But it's because it's not encouraged. Right, yeah. <laughs> no, act- actively discouraged, you know, exactly. probably in a lot of uh, in a lot of senses. Do you think, okay, well, just along those same lines, like, do you feel like there are times when you're doing shows in different parts of the country, like outside of cities where people yeah. are experiencing you differently because you're a person of color. Yeah. Um, the irony is in the South, uh, racial material and everything goes over better. Yeah. Cause they're not so sensitive about they're it. Not as sensitive. And they're just like, yeah, black, yeah. white, let's talk about it. Like they yeah. are happy to hear racial material. Uh, liberals are a little more sensitive and yeah. don't want to offend people. <laughs> I got asked to do this uh, radio show recently, and I didn't know anything about it. They were like traveling from a city in Iowa, and they're like, "We're going to be in D.C. for a week. We were we just want a comic on to talk about the comedy scene in D.C. or whatever." So like I did it, and then like as I'm talking to them, I like realize they're like racist and uh, oh no, <laughs> and um, not like you know like that's their main goal in life, but like just in the background, like they're, you know, the and best kind. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so we're talking and I can tell they're like, you know, they're very conservative and they are, they're 
they're anti-immigration. I'm kind of like piecing this together from like just context clues like around the room and stuff. And like, yeah. I'm like, start. it's like starting to dawn on me. And, and so then we start talking about comedy. So then I just start like kind of, I just start kind of making a lot of liberal points just to try to like change their mind yeah. about things, but doing it in like a friendly, subtle, a subtle way to just try to shift them. And I keep bringing up liberal comedians and they're like totally on board with the liberal comedians. They like love them. Yeah. And it's, it's so strange, but it is a weird thing with some groups of conservative people who are, have, you know, bad views, bad conservative, uh, anti-progressive views that are completely accepting of comedy. Yeah. Like, even, like it's yeah. like, <laughs> they're like, they want a good laugh. <laughs> you know what it does remind me of is when, Chappelle's like first specials came out and I watched them when I was young when I was like you know in high school college or whatever and I I thought they were hilarious and I was listening to what he was saying but I didn't fully understand a lot of like the racial stuff that he was talking about like I didn't it didn't like I just I didn't get what he was saying and so you know over the years as I've like slowly learned about that stuff now when I see it, I'm like, oh, he was already talking about it. He yeah. was already wide out, completely out in the open. He's saying it directly to everybody. But, you know, it didn't really, it didn't register, you know, like with me. Like it wasn't like fully, fully getting in. Like I thought it was funny and I understood it, but I, I didn't understand some of the points that he was trying to make back then. And I think it, it's kind of a funny thing where, where people can take comedy just on the comedic level where they laugh at it without absorbing fully the message of it. Yeah, it's compartmentalization. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And you can put that in that box. Cause, yeah. Because I've had people where I'll be at a show and I'm like, you're a Trump supporter. And they are. Uh-huh. They're having a ball through my whole entire yeah. set. But then at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, no, I voted for him. And <laughs> I think it's also interesting that people who can take really aggressive i mean Chappelle's not was at that time like wasn't like real aggressive with his like with like the racial stuff he was saying i don't think right but some comics are like very aggressive like they're really calling out white people now yeah and there are people who are racist who can take it and laugh at it somehow yeah. and then just continue on being racist after yeah well it's, i also think it's because they're still white after so yeah <laughs> You're like, I'm going to be fine because I'm white, <laughs> which is why we're able to make the joke. I guess. That's why Patrice O'Neill used to say black oh, women. Oh, it's not scary. Black women can say whatever we want because we're the most disrespectful. Yeah, wow. No one takes us serious for anything. So that's why we could be the loudest. We can yeah. say the wildest shit because, oh, nobody cares about black yeah, women. Yeah, yeah. You know, white men, you can't. Right. Technically. That's, right. That's right. You know, because you have all the privilege. Right. So, like, nobody yeah. wants to hear you say <laughs> I, I honestly did not understand like well I mean people weren't like talking about male privilege or like white privilege like when I was in college that yeah. was not like those are not words that were said and uh, I really didn't understand it all I really had no concept of it at all it's it uh, it takes like an explanation and people talking about it for, yeah. for people to understand like it's, yeah. not, it's not something that's just gonna like happen on its own like I do think that people making those 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 points and like really sticking to them and like making sure that it's said over and over again it does make a difference i do i think in in terms of how people view the world yeah and that's what, and that's the thing where it's like if you have a captive audience listening 
yeah. the older I get as a stand-up, I want to try to make sure I say something. Yeah, do you feel responsibility to, to touch on certain topics? I, I feel responsibility to be true to myself. Uh-huh, first so of all. So I want to yeah. be true to myself, but then within that, say something along the lines that's going to help somebody. Yeah. Like one of my newest things is I there's a quote, there's nothing good or bad, only thinking makes it so. And I want to keep saying that over and over again because I want people to, to get that into their psyche as much as for myself. I want to get into my psyche. It's mm-hmm. like we can choose happiness. Happiness is a choice. Mm-hmm. Choosing to be sad is a choice. And whether or not something's good or bad is whether you decide it is or not. So that's one of my things is I want to try to change people's minds of thought. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because we're also depressed. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. When you're depressed, you can sit back and really think about things. Yeah, <laughs> too much. Overthink. It really gives you an opportunity to ponder some stuff, and then you can express it to other people later. Yes, that's the that's the <laughs> gift of depression. All right, so let's well, let's do like more regular comedy stuff. So, yes. So you know, I didn't mean to like go so deep into that, but um. So, do you think? Do you think that you have? change your style of comedy as you've like transitioned to being a headliner? No. Um, I just think confidence has grown. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. In your, in your, uh, success on stage and your ability to like have good sets gives you confidence. Is that what the confidence is coming from? And knowing that I have control Mm -hmm. and knowing that I'm not as scared of it as I used to be. Yeah. Looking forward to having fun on stage right yeah because you know because you are a powerful performer right like you are just thank you (laughs) you have a lot of you have a lot of energy and uh it's it's one of those things it's hard to be super confident when you start out stand-up because it's stand-up is so difficult so scary yeah and it's It's not something that you can really just show up and know how to do like you got to do it for years and years over and over again you and you keep doing it. And the thing is, is like after it. you've been doing it for a couple of years and you watch great comics, then you realize like how far away you are. Like it takes a couple of years, I think, to find out like how far you have to <laughs> that go. That you know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and once that the dawns, wise person knows. Once that dawns on you, it's hard to be confident. But I think that kind of once you get over the hump of like, you know, you start to like figure it out. And then if you're a powerful performer on top of it, then that is like unlocked and can can be expressed yeah it's that's great and it's I think a great the, position to the be in hump for me was me and that's what everyone says like your biggest competition your biggest enemy your biggest everything is yourself and getting over myself <laughs> has been a huge part of the journey was there something like getting over your, was it just learning how to do stand-up getting over yourself or was there something else that you needed to get over I mean, when I was younger, I had a terrible case of stage fright where I would get yeah. on stage and burst into tears. Really? You cried? Yeah. When I was in high school. Yeah. Okay. But I knew I was like, stage Did you ever cry doing stand up? Yeah. I've cried on stage before. Okay. I don't think the audience knew, but <laughs> I was fully crying. I've cried like twice on stage before. Yeah. And it was a throwback to that feeling of uh, stage fright. But I knew I had to get over it. Do you have, do you, did you have general stage fright like every time mm-hmm. you went on stage? Yeah. And I that was too. building it um, from being a kid. And that's why I never would have thought stand up would have been my thing. Right. Because, oh, you have stage fright. Let's choose the scariest way to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to take. Because even improv, you got other people on the stage. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You know, so 
I, you know, I had to battle that. I had to battle myself. I had to battle my own confidence. I had to battle my laziness, my procrastination, my, you know, all these things. Oh, well, I got all those things. Yeah. And that's what <laughs> I'm still doing. It's like, you know, battling my thoughts in my head that just go incessantly about something that's not my act. If you're obsessing over something, why don't you obsess over your act? That's what I keep trying to say to myself. Oh, that's good advice. That's an interesting thing to think about. Do you think there was a time, like, was there, like, a phase that you felt like you realized, like, that you w- that you had gotten over it or something that happened that, like, helped you get over it? Or was it just gradual? Oh, I mean, it's, what, the past couple of months? <laughs> it's just Is that all, right? Yeah. It's just all recent. So you feel confidence. different this year. Do you feel different being at Big Hunt this year from last year? Yes. I do. That's just a question. I do. How did it feel last year? Uh, last year, um, I I don't know if you know. That was my first time headlining. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I might have known that. Yeah, that was my first time. So um, that was because of that's because of Tova. Yes. Because Tova. Tova's my manager. <laughs> Tova is your manager. She used to be an agent, and yes. when she was a new agent, I was a new booker. And so you know, I was learning how to do it, and she was really helpful to me. Uh, so then when she became a manager, you know, I was happy to like help out her clients and obviously you have funny tapes. So I wouldn't have booked you just based on her. I, yes. you know, you had to be funny on top of it, but was um, it my Seth Meyers tape? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was so funny. So everyone talks about like your late night set. All I wanted was a good tape. That's all I wanted. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's a good attitude. Great. That's this what it great. should be. Cause that's really what it is. I just wanted a good tape. That's, that's really all. what it is at this point. You know, yeah. I think it's just something that's what people are going to see. It, it's what everyone is going to see when they, when you go to a town, they're going to Google you yes. and then they're going to watch the first late night set that comes up. That's, and that's pretty, it. and they're going to decide whether they want to go see the show based on that. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so, so thankful that for that. <laughs> so that was your first, okay. So that was your first headlining weekend. And what yes. did you think of, what was your experience like? Um, it was great. I mean, the club's great. The, to know that people are just coming, you know, and that's still the thing to me. Like, I'm not a draw yet. So human beings are in the seats. I'm so happy. Yeah. Um, I'm just less nervous this year. Um, uh, yeah, just, you know, more confident. Yeah, I I had to I had two headlining weekends going on at the same time this this weekend. So I missed most of your set yesterday. Yes. I only got Were you the with vi- DeVito? Yeah, I was with DeVito. Awesome. So I only caught the um the end of your second set, but it, you're getting real big laughs. Yeah. It felt good. Yeah. The crowd was just happy to be there and see comedy and I was telling the other guys that uh, you know, there's a situation where you get there and you're like, am I funny? And then you're like, oh, I'm funny. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah, because when I, I when I walked in, I was like, oh, she's funny. Yeah. <laughs> this whole room thinks she's real funny. Good. Thank so, you. Uh, I just need the booker to want just to feel that way. Yeah, all. I mean, that's right. You just need them to walk in right at the moment right that you're killing moment. and then have them walk right back out. That's what yeah. you want. And you're like, that's the only impression you need. Yeah, Just exactly. that one great one. <laughs> No, I mean, that. that's like, that's the great thing uh, about Big Hunt is that it's not about your draw. It's a, it's just about whether you're funny or not. Right. And that's what the people want to see, comedy. And, uh, you know, it's not like, it's not that easy of a room. It's a small room, but it can be very tricky. And uh, plenty of people bomb there. So it's yeah. not like, oh, th- and, and there are rooms, which I'm sure you've been in, that are just hot rooms. They're just set up great. The crowds are great. And you know, as long as you perform in a reasonable way, you're going to have good sets. Yeah, that's Village Underground in New York. But Big Hunt's <laughs> not like that. 
you have bad sets. If you, yeah. if, if it's things are off, sometimes it's out of your control too there. I mean, it's, it's a tricky room, but anyway, um, but that's cool. That's great. Um, that you, that you are progressing yes. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it's like such a struggle. That's like a new, it's a thing that I, I wasn't really thinking about before, you know, before the last couple of years, which is like the transition from getting your first TV spots to becoming a headliner is a pretty tricky transition and it can yeah. be a long transition. Yeah, and, and each person has their own path. Right. That's another thing I've realized as I, I compare it to turtles and hares where it's like some people are turtles and some people are hares. Like Chappelle was a hare. Hannibal's a hare. Yeah. Bill Burr is a turtle. Patrice is a turtle. So yeah, I'm that's like, right. That's right. I'm okay with the turtle trajectory. I'm yeah. okay with slow and steady wins But it's ca- you're catching up, though, now. Yeah. Now, you know? you're, now you're like right back on track you know yeah. like not that you weren't on track before never, but you, you know, know but it's a long it's yeah, a long it's a path longer, yeah a longer path and and to know that i could see people on the different uh, levels of it you yeah. know like i've toured with hannibal and then i look at somebody like leslie she's 50 mm-hmm. and she's crushing it right now yeah just blowing up the, just for yeah. the past you know five years yeah. and it's like oh that's me in 10 years. I can do that, you know? Right. And if I stay the course and I've been f- reaping the benefits of staying the course thus far. Yeah. I always love it. I, I always love when, I mean, this comes from like being a, like producing shows because the thing that I care most about is like, how is the show being great? That's what yeah. I, that's what I'm trying to accomplish with what I'm doing. And so I love great performers and I love to see people who work really hard at stand up and, develop that ability and even even if they're not getting the opportunities at first when they get them later and then they're ready they're just like ready to go because they've built up all the experience they were just waiting for their chance and that kind of like goes along with i think having that big personality but not being able to fully use it at first you know you can't fully like you're not probably you're still not fully you're not using everything that you have. There's it's a like lot. It's like the 10% of our brain. Right. It's not know? all It's not all been put together yet. Like you, you haven't learned how to express all your ideas in, yeah. in the way that you want. You're not like, you know, you can always get better performance wise with, you know, with different things. So I'm Professor Xavier's School of the Gifted. Yeah. Um, I'm in the school at this moment honing my superpowers. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah. What was, uh, how did you like being on Crashing? Oh, it was great. It was scary as fuck, but it was great. Was that your first acting? Yeah, that was my first time being, uh, I mean, thrown into a situation where it's improv. It's Oh, you guys did improv on it? Yeah. And I didn't know that going in. So, <laughs> yeah. so now I'm like, oh, be more prepared to go into auditions improving, to go onto sets improving, because when they call us, when they call comics, yeah, that's what they want. So that was a, a, a mind frame change that I had. Because yeah. I was like, I know my lines. And I was like, wait, no one's, no one's doing our lines. Wait, what's happening? <laughs> it's funny. There's so many, there's like so many things. When you start doing stand up, you're like, I want to stand on jokes and tell, uh, stand on stage and tell jokes. And then as you go through your career, you find out there's all these extra things you have to do. And then 
even when you think you understand what those things are, there will be a new. You show twist. up and you're like, oh, that's actually what it is. That's different, and I'm learning on all the levels. I mean, I'm doing a, a thing for Sesame Street. Oh, are you? <laughs> in a week, and so it's in like that stuff where it's like. What's going to happen there? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I'm playing a magician. Like, I don't know. There's so many levels. You're going to be a, ma- a magician on, on Sesame Street? Sesame Street. There's it, stuff comes out of nowhere. Yeah, Games yeah. Gigs and opportunities where you're like, sure, I'll do that. Didn't know I could, but yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want me to do it, sure. What's What's been like your favorite thing that you've got to do? Favorite thing that I've gotten to do? That's or a great question. Maybe just one great thing you got to do if it's not your, to put pressure that it's your favorite. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, taping my first late night set was terrifying, but yeah, I'm so amazed. I'm proud of myself that I did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say having an HBO credit because growing up watching HBO is my favorite network. Sure. And then being like, <gasps> that's my. I thought Crashing was cool too. I liked Crashing. Yeah, it's a it's a good show. Um, just super proud of that. And honestly, just paying my bills with comedy. Yeah, is the thing is my favorite thing. <laughs> that's my also, favorite. Also, like thing. getting to perform at the Comedy Cellar. That's like really cool it's accomplishment. Huge. It's huge. Yeah. And to know that when I'm not in, you know, on the road, I can make money at home. Yeah. Right. As a comedian. Yeah, definitely. I can pay my bills and not leave New York. Yeah. It's crazy. Do you, as you're doing these things, does it, do you start to think like, have you been thinking about other projects you want to like be a part of in the future? Are you still kind of just taking whatever comes in? Are you, are you thinking like, oh, maybe I'd like to write this type of a show or maybe I want to. Yes. I'm thinking in this perspective, Tova is always getting me to to think that. So I finished a pilot. So I have a a writing sample submitting. I want to write on television shows. I want to. Um, you know, I do more acting and all that stuff, going on more auditions. So uh, I'm working on. So once you get confidence in one thing, confidence in stand up, now being confident in my ideas yeah. to pitch to right. to networks, that's a different type of confidence yes. that I have to grow. So I'm I'm honing that confidence. How what's right Tova think about your ideas so far? Uh, you said what? What's Tova think about your ideas? So I mean, far? she loves them. She's always just like, everything's great. You're great. You're great. And I was like. Okay, you tell me if I wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, I can't have somebody yeah, who just yeah. says everything's great. But I it love our relationship yeah. <laughs> because I can cry to her, and I, I'm so happy I have a female manager. I really am, because she's so understanding. Like I literally just be like, "Look, I'm late to that audition because my period just started." And I, <laughs> <laughs> so call them and tell them like I can be that real with her. Yeah, that's and awesome. I love it. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Are you working on? Uh, do you have a podcast or anything? I don't have a podcast. Um, people have been harassing me to start one. Uh, and I've been doing radio, though. And that's another thing. I didn't, oh, what radio have you been uh, doing? Sirius Satellite Radio. I am Godfrey's guest host when he's oh, on the cool. road sometimes. Yeah, so he does a two-hour show from 6 to 8. and So when he's not there, you do it by yourself? I've done it, yes. And I, I mean, I will have guests. How do you like it? It's it's once again another thing where you're like, oh, I gotta figure out that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's something I've done that I'm so freaking proud of myself, but also terrified because I just the this, the fear is just wanting to do well. Yeah, nerves are the respect we pay our audience. Yeah. So I get so scared because I'm like, I need this to be a good job. I need to do something. I need to say something proper, 
going out into the airwaves of how many thousands right. or even millions of people. Very scary. Serious. Yeah. yeah. And they're all listening to my voice. And it's like, this is what Hitler did. Like, I need, <laughs> you need to be able to say something good. Yeah, yeah. That's you know? right. Yeah, very dangerous. And that's a daunt- yeah, that's a daunting prospect. Um, so, yeah, I've, d- I've done that. And it's amazing. And I'm proud of that. Do you have, like, a goal in mind? Like, a dream? Like, you're like, oh, this would be my favorite. Like, if I could do this, this would be the coolest. I just, oh, my God movie right writing my own movie you'd love to write your own movie and star in it i don't know if i need to do all of that yeah you feel i'd be fine with writing it and other people starring in it okay i'd be fine with starring in something someone else wrote do you have stories already that you're thinking about oh very cool hey that's great i think that's like i didn't realize this until you know somewhat recently but a lot of it is like you need to like produce ideas yeah because that's really what is needed because there's a constant need for the new ideas because everything has they got to keep making stuff that's yeah. the whole goal is and just never not going to be new ideas if there's new people yeah of course and and it's just a matter of whether like you're going to be a part of it and your ideas are going to get yeah taken but you gotta you have to you gotta sit and think of them and you gotta be ready to put them out there to like be a part of it and know that people have confidence in their ideas and a lot of their ideas are dumb so it's okay <laughs> it's okay yeah, to be yeah. like is my idea dumb it might be but also still put that shit down on yeah. paper because do you have any advice for younger comics oh that's great um my favorite thing to say is getting uh is hanging out is as important as going up yes yeah, so and y- people knowing your name is and that's what i learned in la the most L.A. was more of a networking city. Yeah. New York is where you get the work done. You get on stage. But L.A. is where you find out, oh, hi, show face. How are you? Who are right. you? What do you do? Oh, you're a producer? Okay, great. And knowing what everyone does and who the yeah. quote-unquote important people are. Also, I, do not be rude to people's assistants. <laughs> I will say that. Oh, yeah, assistants yeah. Assistants and PAs and all those people. Do not be rude to them because they will be the directors and yeah, they will be no, the yeah. agents and the managers tomorrow. I think, I think about that all the time when I have to deal with managers and assistants and agents yeah. assistants wh- through booking and uh, and sometimes it's it can be frustrating dealing with them. Yeah, and it's it's hard not to be like, "You're come on, bro." Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> guys, come, like we got to get this. Yeah, but. Uh, but then, yeah, in the back of my mind, I have to be like, oh, I can't, I can't, yeah. be, I can't be rude to these people because they're going to become the managers and agents that I have to work with tomorrow. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's definitely, I used to, when I had office jobs, people would be like, well, you got to network. If you're going to be successful, you're going to make it. You got to go be friends with these people. And I'm like, I hate these fucking people. For sure. I don't want to talk to any of these people. For sure. And it, it just network. The idea of networking was like so gross to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be fake friends with these people so that I can get a promotion later. Like, yeah, I couldn't stand the idea of it. And then when I started doing comedy, I was like, I fucking love comics, man. I love hanging out with comics. It's they all have like the same like essential like background like inside as me like the same attitude toward life and like it it's just it became like it's like very natural for me to hang out with comics and talk to comics yeah and so i think 
it, I guess if you have that, a little bit of those gross feelings from it, like you just got to push them aside and just realize like, these are the people that you're going to be like working with. They're the people you're going to be around all the time. Yeah. So like, you if don't, don't got to like everybody. If, and if you don't like, if, if you don't like any of them, well then, this is probably you shouldn't pursue comedy because what is the point? Like, <laughs> if you hate if you hate comics, like that's who you're going to be working with. That's who you're going to be around. Well, comics get on my nerves, but <laughs> I still love us. I do love us. I love being around us. But I've also found out that everyone you don't have to be around everyone. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. You know, sometimes you'll just be at a show with people you don't like, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Get on stage, get up, go home. Well, I guess on that note, yeah. <laughs> n- not all comics are great. You don't have to be no, friends no, with all of them. No, you don't. But but networking if you is can, important. If you can hang out with some shows and get people to know that you're there and you're a comic. Yeah. And hold the relationships of the people that you like. Right. Find your comedy buddy. Find your besties that you go around town with and do the things with and get your comedy crew together. I always, you don't got to be no more than two, three, four people. I always tell people when they're starting out, I'm like, go to some different shows and then go to the like, keep going to the ones that you feel comfortable at. Mm-hmm. Like if you if, if a show feels gross to you, like you don't have to you go to that show. Hate. You can go to a different show and, we'll and just keep one. keep keep going to these places until you find a place where you're where you feel comfortable and then grow there with those people yeah well thanks very much for being here thank you thank you you for putting me on stage yeah my pleasure (laughs) do you have anything that you want to promote uh i'll be i'll be yeah no i'm just joyelle nicole all right follow me joyelle nicole find joyelle nicole love me like me yeah (laughs) all right thank you bye for more information about our live shows check out undergroundcomedydc.com